You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. Chapter 8, so if you've got a Bible, turn to chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to get there in a minute. If you've got an app, you can uh, search for it uh, on your app or your phone. Um, If you're looking at your phone, it's, you know, we can all now think that you're reading the scriptures instead of texting or Facebooking, and so uh, feel, feel the liberty to Facebook or text, uh, but those of us who also are doing that will notice the time that you are making those things, and uh, anyway, no, we won't go there. <coughs> um, but it's good to be back from the sabbatical. I, I, I just want to thank you for letting me go, really, on, on it. I think it was a really timely uh, uh, a moment for me of my journey um, and uh, just a big thank you really for releasing me particularly big thank you to Rick who hold the fort whilst I was away I mean don't we just love him just so so appreciate Rick uh, in particular I mean lots of other people running things but particularly Rick thank you whilst I was away for looking after things um, and over the next couple of Sundays and I can sort of share a little bit about what uh, has been happening to me over it. Uh, it was uh, it started quite hard, if I'm really honest. I, uh, but it uh, uh, through it, I feel God has laid things on my heart for us as a church that are significant, and um, uh, I'm excited to tell you about. I, I feel I've come back really with a. Uh, I think I went with an anticipation about this autumn that was significant, and I've come back with an even greater passion that God is on us and wanting to use us in this next season uh, that we're going into. And uh, I think a big part of the sabbatical for me was, was thinking a lot about those who are on the outside. We, sh- we shared a little bit about our little journey with fostering and adoption last Sunday. Wasn't it a wonderful Sunday? Um, it's been just a, such a delight to be journeying with uh, Adrian and Paula in that as well, in our own personal journey. I, I, uh, in addition to the moment Rick talked about at the wedding yesterday, um, there, was, there was a little moment for me as I went into the church at the beginning, right at the beginning, and saw little Oakley just sidle up to Adrian and uh, pull Adrian's arm around his shoulder. And I thought, wow, isn't that... That young man has had lots of dads uh, on his journey in the church. And it just, I thought, wow. And now he's getting a dad <laughs> to adopt him. And so it was a, 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 another little moment for me. But I just, I think the fostering adoption, uh, some of the books we've been reading, there's been a there's wonderful book, God is Stranger, just around welcoming in the stranger, around hospitality and around family. Uh, I think as I've been driving around visiting other churches, um, you know, I haven't found any better than Jubilee, so, uh, no, that's, forgive me, Lord, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. Um, but do you know what struck me as I've been dri- driving? You know, it's, it's great just to turn up to church on time, because usually I'm like two hours before the start here, but, you know, it, it's, um, what struck me was how many people aren't going to church as you drive through towns and whatever, there are thousands do it going about their day-to-day business and not going to church. And it made me think, why don't they go to church? And 
you know, 95% of the UK don't go to church on a Sunday. And it just really moved me that, well, why is that? Are we not answering their questions? We've got those wonderful message of hope. Are we not relevant? What is it? I don't know. But it struck me, and more than ever, that we're here for people outside the church. You know, we are here for the 95% and how we need to reach out to them, particularly the 20s and 30s, particularly the new generations that are emerging. I felt very moved by that, very convicted, really, that we've got to do something. So thrilled that the Occa thing is happening, the Rethink Seminar. I'm so thrilled to come back and find there's always energy around the Alpha and 25 people there. I mean, it's a thrilling for me to, to know that. But other areas also just around this theme of people on the outside, just thinking about what Laura's doing with the Luminate group and the special needs group. I think, isn't that wonderful that we can be inviting people in to the community? Been thinking and learning and studying, reading a lot about sexuality as well over the, the time that I've been away, just the confusing climate that we live in and how specially that parts of our community can feel outside of the church and not coming into the church. and So it's been a real theme, really, that over this last uh, few months, that there are many outside. And there are many outside who can't come in. And we've got to work out how we can let them in and how we can help that. So whether it's fostering, adopting, whatever it is, I think there's just so many things, that ways in which God is calling us to be welcoming those who are outside to come into this new family, this Jesus family that he is creating. I think right from the beginning when Hay and I started this whole adventure of, of Jubilee, we, we wanted Jubilee to be, to have an emphasis on family life and kids and young people and we, we love it that there are so many kids and young people uh, in Jubilee. We've, we've loved to value family life as part of God's creation and something to rejoice in. We've loved to run marriage courses and parenting courses and we wanted our families strong and healthy and life-giving and we've wanted to do all we can to that. We personally, hey, and I just love meeting with young parents and uh, just trying to help them and encourage them and root for them and tell them our kids survived even though they were naughty too and all the stuff that we need to do just to encourage one another. I love family. I love family life. For me, it's really powerful. As I said last Sunday, I love all the images that the scriptures give us of the Bible, the, the army winning a battle, light over darkness. I love that body becoming mature and the building, holy temple where the presence of God is, the bride of Christ giving herself in marriage to a saviour. I mean, it's wonderful images, aren't they? But I just love the image of the church as a family welcoming others. It's something beautiful, I think, something powerful profoundly shaped by this, the Christian, this distinctively Christian idea that God is a good shepherd. He's a good heavenly father. And I love the idea we read in Ephesians that we are adopted as sons and daughters. Couldn't have, you know, just so wonderful. Rick just felt the move to say what he said. I feel that theme is so important that God adopts us into his family. Because I, I want Jubilee to be his family, welcoming those who have no family, you know, fostered kids, but so many others who, for, for them, family uh, has been missing. 
blood is thicker than water. You know that phrase, probably. It's a powerful phrase, isn't it? And, but no families are perfect in some ways. Some are imperfect. Some are damaging. If you ask any counsellor, they'll tell you that a lot of the serious damage that's done to people can occur in families. For lots of people, family is not a good thing. You know, the, the blood of family is thicker than any other connection in our lives, and yet we know a lot of abuse happens in families. It's, there's a lot of breakdown in families, isn't there? There's a lot of families struggling. There's lots of different sorts of families now. The sort of family with a married mum and a dad and kids is less the norm now in our culture, isn't it? Many choose not to marry. Kids have different surnames to their parents. We've got, in our areas, the highest area of divorce in the country. That creates all sorts of issues, doesn't it? Single parent families, blended families, grandparents looking after grandchildren, all that sort of stuff. Most of the Jubilee kids will have kids in their schools who have same-sex parents. It's an age we're living in now where we have, I think, a message of hope that is beyond anything, and we've got to say it. You know, there's a growth in singleness. I think one in five now live alone. And so in all of our rejoicing about family, do you know what? We're also not wanting to exclude people who aren't in families and who find family hard. Because there's a message of hope we have that is beautiful. No matter what our circumstances, do you know what? God is inviting us to know a good father in heaven and to join a Jesus family on earth. And isn't that a wonderful, wonderful message that we have? Such a positive, compelling message in our time, I believe. More than ever, perhaps, we have a message of hope for people. Because didn't Jesus, Jesus didn't come to judge, did he? He, he? he said in John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that is a wonderful message, isn't it? And as we welcome fostered, adopted, single parents, the divorced, widowed, the single, those with questions about their sexuality, we, we welcome them into a new Jesus family that can show them grace and love and salvation, and mercy, and forgiveness. And do you know what? That is more beautiful than a million pounds or anything else. It's why we have this gather idea as part of our vision, isn't it? We want to see a community where everyone can belong and find home, a vibrant, healthy, spiritual family, gathering all generations, socioeconomic groups, and many nationalities, a place that honors marriage and family and parenting and family life. And yet it's a healing community that includes the single, the widow, the divorced, all sorts. A Jesus family that welcomes the hurting, the depressed, the frustrated, the confused, where they can find love, acceptance, help, hope, forgiveness, guidance, encouragement, and purpose. It says it all on our website if you read it. So today I wanted to look at this chapter 8 and this particular story. Because as I was just thinking and just thinking what I shared on this particular Sunday before our Vision Sunday, next Sunday, I just was reminded of a sermon I read many years ago by a guy called William Williman, who's, who's a theologian, um, and he'd entitled it The New Family of God. And uh, uh, he used this passage in it and in a very powerful way. It had a big impact on me, and so I just thought I'd share some of that together. So should we just read it together? It's Acts uh, 
chapter 8, starting from verse 26. I mean, it's a really fun story. I mean, it will really, you know, just listen to it, imagine it, put it in your mind, this story. It's a wonderful story. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the Queen of Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. And so Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asks. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. Wow. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a shepherd to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. And eunuch asked Peter, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Who can, who can stand in the way of me being baptised? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptised him. This, this is a really cool story. I want to just colour it in for you as you're reflecting on it and then just end with a couple of points. See, the story doesn't begin with Philip. It doesn't begin with the Ethiopian eunuch. It doesn't begin with Isaiah or baptism. It actually begins with God, this story. It begins with these words. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go. See, God is the story's initiator and hero. It begins with God, whose messenger instructs Philip, get up and go, go towards the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's no reason given. It's not even a very polite invitation. It's not like Philip, you know, the angel's saying, Philip, you know, the Lord and I wonder if we might trouble you. <laughs> get up, you know, visit, go and see him. If you're okay, you've got, got the time, if you're not too busy. No, it isn't that. It's, a, it's like a divine command, an order. So Philip gets up and goes. <laughs> and no sooner does Philip get up and go, he comes upon this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this is someone who is unusual, different. And the fact that he is a eunuch is actually a key and powerful and radical and inspiring part of this story. Someone without a family, someone single, someone who either by damage or choice or royal decree had had his testicles cut off, he was a eunuch. 
almost a unicorn then. <laughs> Eunuch. <laughs> As some... Uh, some of the commentators would describe him as a sexless person. I think this speaks into our generation. Someone who knows you'll never have a family or heir, some, someone who is different. What's more, this isn't just any old Ethiopian eunuch. He is an Ethiopian eunuch that's a dignitary, a highly placed court official in charge of the queen's entire treasury. As an Ethiopian, he probably spoke Cushite and Amorite and placed in a high place in society, would have been concerned with finance, with trade, politics. It's probably certain that he spoke Greek and Latin. We're told that he was reading the scroll. So we need to know he can read, he can read Hebrew. So this isn't an everyday run-of-the-mill Ethiopian eunuch. This is an educated, exotic man full of wealth and reputation who had undergone a dangerous journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Why is he off this journey? The text says it, doesn't it? The Ethiopian eunuch is not on business. It's a personal undertaking. It's a pilgrimage. He's undertaken this journey at his own expense to worship at Jerusalem. He's gone to worship at Jerusalem. He's travelled some 2,000 miles. We just pop on planes these days, but in those days, you know, 30 miles a day, max, take, would have taken two months for him. To get there, two months back, four-month trip. He'd have travelled through hard places, deserts. But you know the terrible thing about this story is that when he arrives, he can't go in. It's the terrible, painful, shameful truth, really, of the finale of this pilgrimage. When he arrives in Jerusalem, the Ethiopian eunuch will be barred from entering the temple. They won't let him in. His charioteer, his livery, they'll be allowed in. The scribe, the valet, they'll all be able to enter into worship. But not this highly situated, wealthy, erudite, cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan guilt-fearing court official. He's prevented from entering the temple because he's a eunuch. And the Old Testament is really clear that eunuchs are barred from the temple, prohibited from entering a holy place, excluded from the presence of the living God because they're marred and damaged. Throughout the Old Testament, we see children are praised as a reward from God. He's rewarded us lots. <laughs> a divine blessing. But this eunuch will never have children. He will never have a family and therefore have no place in the family of God. He can never enter the temple and praise God with the rest of his entourage who've been blessed by God with family. 
nevertheless, from the outside, this Ethiopian eunuch takes it all in. He takes in the marvel and the statues, the musicians, the priests, the pilgrims, the merchants, the Romans, the colors. He drinks it all in. It's as close as he'll ever come to the presence of the living God. Do you know, in our day, too many have been made to stand on the outside, I think. Many have not felt welcome. Many peering in, standing on the outside, excluded, broken. Some even do come in to the people of God, but have felt they've had to stand on the outside. But do you know what? This story is radical. It is controversial. It is scandalous in some ways. While in Jerusalem, the Ethiopian purchased a pearl of great price, a treasure. He gets a bit of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And this isn't any small pro, you know, purchase. You know, it's probably like buying a high-end car. I mean, it, they cost tons, these scrolls. Painstaking handiwork of a scholar-artist. And when we meet him, when Philip happens upon him, as the text says, you sense the spirit of God in it, don't you? The Ethiopian eunuch is heading south, back home to Ethiopia, and he's embarking on his long home journey back, and he's bouncing around in the back of his chariot, surrounded by his entourage, and he's reading aloud from his new purchase. He's reading aloud from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And Philip approaches him and said, do you understand what you're reading? Questions are so important, aren't they? I've read loads of books on questions. So often, Christians just give answers. <laughs> but do you know what? We, we should be asking questions first. <laughs> Finding out where people are at. Understanding what's going on in their hearts. Understanding their challenges. Asking good questions. The Ethiopian eunuch understands this. He, he understands that this Isaiah is talking about someone not unlike himself, a person who's been harmed and humiliated. And hungrily, he turns to Philip and says, who is this person that Isaiah is talking about? And there and then Philip pours out the story of Jesus. He tells this man who's prevented from entering the temple that all are welcome at Christ's table and welcomed into his new Jesus family. Why, this Jesus of Nazareth, Philip says, was cut off. He had no family, no issue, and yet he created the largest family in the world, his Jesus family. And what's more, says Philip, the waters of baptism are healing and equalizing. The story of Jesus pours out of Philip, feels such a hole in this eunuch's aching heart. The eunuch sees some water. Look, he cries, there's some water. And then challenging Philip and this, putting this Philip's Jesus to the test, the eunuch says, what's to prevent me from being baptised? 
There is Philip standing there. And he says, do you know what? I can't think of anything that prevents you. I can just imagine Philip sort of sighing and muttering to himself, you know, the, the first church in Jerusalem, you know, flipped out when I baptised Samaritans. <laughs> and what on earth are they going to do to me now if I baptise this eunuch? But Philip tells him that the waters of baptism, in the waters of baptism, there's no, neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, royalty or commoner, male or female, eunuch or non-eunuch. Jesus explains to this Ethiopian that the waters of Christian baptism are thicker than blood. And that they wash away the wounds and the damage. And they make us whole and render us clean and make us one and welcome us into a Jesus family in a wonderful way. And right there in the desert, a white man and a damaged black man, a Jew and an Ethiopian, Philip baptised the eunuch into a new family where he could come and meet the King of Kings. Isn't that a wonderful story? Isn't that a precious story for our time? And do you remember who devised the story? Do you remember who, who's the one who initiated these unlikely encounters? Do you remember the one who carefully orchestrated the meeting of Philip and this Ethiopian who supplied the water just at the right time in the middle of the desert. Um, it's God, isn't it? God is the central character of this. He's the enabler. He's the one who inspires, who is at work in this wonderful story. He's the central character. He's the author of this great project in diversity and hospitality. He wants to bring all people together. And he wants to welcome. And he wants us to welcome in kindness. It's the heart of our faith. Welcome. He wants us to welcome people who feel on the outside. I think God is calling us to be a family for many who are searching for a home. In fact, it is actually challenging if you read the New Testament how little there is about the nuclear family in the New Testament. If you read it, there's, there's odd little bits, but actually there is a bigger vision at play. <laughs> I love family, love the nuclear family, want to do all we can to strengthen marriages and family and kid life. But do you know what? There's a bigger picture. There's a Jesus family that he's creating that welcomes in all of those who've had good family experiences and have had bad family experiences. And it's time to talk about this wonderful hope that we have. He's calling us to reach out to those different from us. He's calling us to build a diverse church, welcoming in many who feel on the outside. And this story is there to provoke us. It would be scandalous to the Jews at the time. But it's rich for us as we enter this autumn time. So I want to leave you just with three words that begin with M. I think we're entering a time of where mission is so important. 
The angel says, get up and go. You know, for some people, that is the message. You probably thought, I wish, wish he said that at the beginning. I could have phased out. But for some people, <laughs> it's get up and go. Just hear that verse. Get up and go. <laughs> get up and go and find people. I believe there are many on a journey towards the temple in our town. And we need to go and find them. There are many waiting outside, perhaps wrongly feeling that they're going to be judged when they come in. So often I hear people say, when they're in desperate situations, I say, why don't you come to church? And the subtext is, I, I'm not good enough to come to church. And I think, Flip, you just got it completely wrong. <laughs> That's what church is for. 95% of our land don't go to church. And so I think God is calling us, go. Get up and go, church. And maybe on this, this is the National Prayer Weekend this weekend. And... Uh, CWR initiative and, and, and it's such a simple idea to ask people what they'd like the church to pray for and you know what? I would I'd challenge you I'd love us all to go and find somebody say what, what, could, what can we pray for for you help, help us to connect with your world what are your issues what are you grappling with that we can pray for as a community like the little question Philip asked in some ways the first question and we can then gather tonight, next week, during the week to pray for people in their needs. Because we've got to get up and go. Second, we've got a message. Mission, message. Let's reflect afresh on this wonderful message of hope to those who feel on the outside. Philip asks questions to understand the Ethiopian's heart. The Oka confident training has been so good. Missed it yesterday, which is a real sad, but so good to help us ask questions. Let us ask good questions, just like Philip did. And start where people are at. And then make connections to Jesus. It says he began with that very passage of scripture and then told him to, the good news about Jesus. Connecting where the guy was and connecting it to the wonderful story of hope of Jesus that we've got. Third M is movement. The Spirit told Philip to go. And there's a little detail. He ran. God told him to go, and he ran. And I think there's an urgency in that for us. To go, not like, you know, sometime... But there's movement involved. There's a going. And Philip chose to run. And I think there are days coming when we will be prompted by the Spirit to go and talk to somebody. Perhaps somebody who is different from us. And perhaps even to go, not knowing what to do. 
because Philip didn't know what he was going to do when he went. The angel just said, go. He said, to go to the chariot and stay near it. You know, you wonder whether Philip said, you know, a bit more. <laughs> like a bit more. But he was obedient. He just went, stood by it. And st- well, okay, God's told me to be here. What, what have I got to do now? Here's a guy reading. Let me connect with him. And you know what? I think the, the time is coming where we're just going to have little prompts from the Spirit to talk to somebody at work or a neighbour or in the Sainsbury's or in different contexts, in school, in college. And you know, it is the Spirit who is saying, go and get alongside. Stand by the chariot. So true religion is looking after widows and orphans. As we said last time, It's interesting, isn't it? Widows and orphans. Ones without family. True religion. I don't know if you remember in the Gospels, once Jesus, folk came to Jesus and said, look, your mum and your brothers are asking for you outside. And Jesus says at that point something strange. He says, who was my mother and my brother? Because as he looked outside, his family was that that was gathering of people called his disciples. And he was saying, I've got a Jesus family that's going to go through the centuries and the millennia. He wasn't dissing his mum and his brothers. He was saying, I've got something even more beautiful for my church to be. Can we pray? I'd love us to pray. I'd love us to pray for people in our town. I'd love us to pray for the 95% of people who don't come to church. I'd love us to pray for those we know who family life is not a good thing. I'd love us to Search our hearts. Have I got a judging spirit? Or am I willing to show the grace that Jesus shows? Maybe that you recognize pain just in your own lives and hearts and journey. Do you know what? God is here to fill empty hearts, heal damaged souls, I think there's a moment here, which I'd love just to have a moment of quiet, if that's all right, and just an opportunity for you to bring challenges, difficulties in your own soul to God. It might be challenges if you haven't been baptised, to be baptised, it's time. It might be you have people in your world who have been hurt by or not got or there's complications in their family life. Do you know what? Pray for them. And let's pray that we wouldn't be a people that it's hard for folks to come and meet the living God with. Not a people that bars folks, but we're a people who welcomes the stranger 
So can we just pray for a couple of minutes, just quietly on our own, if that's all right? And then I will pray for us, and then uh, we'll have a final song together. Let's just be quiet and offer our prayers to God. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer and we thank you that we can do that in freedom and in joy. We thank you for speaking to us through our worship, the words in those wonderful songs, through the just prompting Claire, prompting Rick to speak into our gathering this morning. We thank you so much for the work of your spirit amongst us. We thank you for this text, this Bible passage that's provocative. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word, individually. Just want to pray, Lord, for those amongst us whose family life has not been good. And I just pray, Father, for healing to come. Fresh revelation of a Jesus family that they're part of. Lord, we do pray for those who have all sorts of questions. We pray, Lord, that you'd put a courage in our hearts to listen to you. Sure, for Philip, it would have been countercultural. And yet, thank you that he had caught up, got caught up in a vision. of Jesus. Lord, help us see Jesus. Help us understand our good Heavenly Father. Help us to know that we're adopted as sons and daughters. Help us to know the utter wonder of that. And Lord, I pray you'd help us be those who are messengers of good news and hope to our community and our world at this time. I pray, Lord, that you would help us welcome in those who feel on the outside. Help us to welcome into our homes those who are different from us. Help us to welcome in to our groups those who are on the outside. And Lord, we pray that your family would grow in this place. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.